So we did start on Thessalonians a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dave gave an introduction and we looked back at Acts at the beginning there of the, of the church uh, on Paul's second missionary journey. And Thessalonica was the capital and uh, larger city of Macedonia, uh, which was a part of the Roman Empire. And along with its uh, busy seaport, there were a huge number of uh, road travellers that would be on the main highway that would travel down through Thessalonica down to places such as Berea, Athens, Corinth. In fact, Thessalonica, Thessalonica seemed to have a lot in common with Corinth. I was fortunate enough to start, I think it was last year, on the series on 1 Corinthians and to look back at what that city was like. Um, now, as I sort of looked at Thessalonians, there was actually quite a lot in common with their culture and their pay, religious pay, uh, rituals and their paganism and the worship of many gods. A morally corrupt, moral corrupt society. Yet after witnessing to a jailer and his household becoming Christians, Paul, Silas and Timothy make their way to Thessalonica to preach the gospel and they could have been forgiven for thinking what a messed up place this is. Is this really where God wants us to be? Is this really where God sees change and revival? But thankfully, and I'm sure the Thessalonian people were grateful that they didn't have that attitude because there was a revival. Many people, Jews and Greeks came to know, Jews and Gentiles came to know Jesus as their saviour. We are not called to make a judgement on who deserves to be preached the gospel to and where we, we want to go but we are called to preach the gospel to all nations, make disciples of all nations. And so they were there and they preached the gospel and there was a revival and people's lives were changed and people's hearts were changed and people gave themselves to Jesus Christ and it really upset the Jews there at the time and they got so upset that they opened the scriptures to reason with Paul. No, they didn't. They went down and got some thugs from the street and asked to chase them out of town. And in fact, they didn't just chase them out of town, they kept chasing them down the road to Berea and out of Berea. And so Paul is in Corinth at this time and has sent Timothy, uh, well it's um, looking back at the time, some people say after a few months, some say maybe a couple of years, but it's a young church at Thessalonica and he sent Timothy to give a report on how they're going in their faith. How is this church going, this young church that we started with the Holy Spirit's help. And Paul states that we'll see later on is that they are a model church, a model that other churches could see and would do very well by following their example. 
They're a model that we at Monty can take good notice of as we study through this book and that we could follow as we continue to be mindful this year of the theme, How Then Should We Live? So Timothy brings his report to Corinth, to Paul and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Paul writes these words to the Thessalonians along with some correction on the second coming of Christ uh, he starts with some great encouragement and in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians 1 he says we always thank God for all of you uh, mentioning you in our prayers we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The great triad of the, that characterises a follower of, of Christ, faith, love and hope. Saved by grace through faith. And not only saved by faith but we are called to live by faith, to pray in faith, to walk by faith because the righteous will live by faith. There is no greater command than to love God and to love others. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. God is love. If God is in your life, then you have capabilities to love that is beyond what you could ever do by yourself. The way that we love people is an expression, an outward, an outward expression of an inward decision to give your life to Jesus Christ. And people are watching because they see that the way you love people, it tells something of your faith in Jesus. The way we love each other here at church. People in the community are watching. People are seeing that church on Mayana Road, just across the street perhaps from their own house. How do they treat each other? Look how they love each other. Is it an example of our faith in Christ? Is it telling them of the love that has come into our life? Hebrews 10.23, it's a fantastic verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. You know, Jesus is coming again and possibly in 2015. But we don't know, do we? And as I think about eternity, eternity is a word I can't grasp and so as I was sitting at the computer I was thinking about it forever and ever and ever and I, I sat, like I probably, I won't say wasted but I spent like half an hour just sitting there thinking about eternity, a time that has no end. 
and we have been promised by God that Jesus will come again. And for those who have placed their faith and trust in him as our Saviour and Lord, we will spend forever and ever in heaven with him. A time of worshipping God in his presence that will never ever end. In perfection, in paradise. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For God is faithful to his promises. Is your life characterised by faith, love and hope? Living by faith, loving God with all that you are, loving others, holding unswervingly to the hope we profess that he's coming again and we will spend eternity with him. Is that what people see in you? It's what Paul saw in these relatively new Christians. And they were following Christ, they were giving themselves to Jesus in a pretty hostile environment. An environment that I'm really not that familiar with. And Paul says their work produced by faith. Their work was produced, produced by faith and a fundamental truth that Paul teaches is that faith produces work, that it's never works that produces faith. There's no amount of Hail Marys that you can do to make yourself right with God. There's no amount of money that you can give to get yourself to God. There's no amount of doors that you can go and knock on and say, I've done enough to be made right with God. Only through faith in Jesus do we have a way to God the Father. And the works that followed the Thessalonians and the change that came about in their life wasn't in order to reach God but was evidence that God had reached down to them and by faith they were saved. James 2.17, a well-known verse says, faith without action is dead. I'll never forget the sermons from Romans uh, that um, Charles Price uh, gave in Belgrade and it was probably like 14, oh no, a bit longer than that. Gee, I'm getting old, I don't know, like maybe 15, 16 years ago. Um, yeah, uh, and he, he gave us uh, some sermons on faith and a few of those things have, have never left my memory um, and, and one of the things, that, it's just a little thing that has, has stuck with me is that I wanted to mention this morning how he talked about faith must be in something. You can't just have faith. And it's actually similar to to love and hope that we'll look at as well. But faith must be in something. And he spoke about that you're sitting down 
on your chair and that's a, that you're exercising your faith in that chair to hold you up. Faith in the chair, your action is that you're actually sitting on it, believing that it'll hold you up. You know, it had me thinking that many around the world today whose faith is in Buddha. And you'll see the actions of their lifestyle are an expression of their faith that they place in Buddha. And there are many around the world this morning who place their faith in their God Allah and their Prophet Muhammad and their actions of their lifestyle and their expression are telling you of their faith that they place in him. But this morning, we here as a community of believers and around the world, there are millions who place their faith in their creator God, the one and only true God. And the lifestyle, the actions of our life, not necessarily just the words, but the actions of our life are an expression, are telling the world about the faith that we have in God. Without actions, without change, our faith is useless. Our faith is dead. Paul goes on to say there that their labour is prompted by love. In the ancient Greek there are two words for labour and I want to look at them. First, the first one is ergon um, and that refers to a more enjoyable sort of uh, stimulating environment. Perhaps one you might uh, associate with your job or perhaps not but it's a, 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 a sort of a more enjoyable sort of environment that you would associate that word for labour. Then there's the word that Paul used. It's a word called kopos and it pictures hard, extremely difficult work that involves sweat, blood and tears as they say. It's hard and it's constant. And this labour that he talks about, this kopos, is evident in their life because of their great love that they have. No, because of God's love. Because God has come down into their hearts and his love is now evident in their life. Paul remembered them before God because of their hard labour that is brought about because of God's love that is evident in their life. They were standing up to those who persecuted them. They stopped serving the idols that they had been serving all their life that was a part of their culture that they would have been brought up on and that would have been difficult. That would have been hard and they preached the good news in difficult circumstances. They were hard at it. Their labour wasn't prompted by selfishness, wasn't prompted by greed or pride but was prompted by God's love in their life. 
and their endurance inspired by hope. There was a reason that they could endure severe suffering and it's the same reason that we in 2015 can endure life's most difficult circumstances because of the hope we have in eternity, in Jesus coming again. And in light of that, I say with the greatest respect because I am aware and in knowledge of what Bev actually shared earlier today that we are in a privileged place right now in this time and also in this place on planet Earth to have the freedom to just park the car here, come waltzing into this place, preach the gospel, invite people in, put signs out that say we are Christians born again, that we believe in God, the one true God, when we can shout it out. Because honestly I've never suffered for the gospel. And I say with respect that let there be suffering in this place. We often say, why is it happening? Why is it happening? People are getting beaten and bashed and imprisoned around the world today. But it's going to happen. It's, it says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And I question myself, what would be different about myself if I was putting my life on the line today to bring this word to you. What would be different about my life if tomorrow morning when I went to work and I wanted to share with the the Muslims that I go to work with and talk about Jesus Christ with them? What if I risked imprisonment for the rest of my life and not see my children grow up? What would be different about you this morning if as you leave this car park you had to check for police that your life was on the line to be here to worship your creator. We're in a privileged place. But as I thought about these Thessalonian Christians who are new in their faith, they've got it all on the line and Paul says, I thank God for you for your endurance Endurance inspired by hope of what's to come. And as I thought about these things, I thought what should my attitude be, whether I am facing those sort of persecution and suffering or whether, I just, or whether I'm in this place for the rest of my life in this fortunate, blessed land. And this verse came to me, it's well known, Philippians 1.21, that Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I'm to live, it's to be all about fruitful labour. But my desire is to be with Christ for eternity. It's their endurance inspired by hope. 
Paul gives four truths about the Thessalonians that I hope are true of us today here at Monty. Firstly, that they are chosen. They are a chosen people. Verse 4 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you simply, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. How did Paul know that they are elect, that they are chosen by God? I mean, we're talking about young believers, perhaps six months, perhaps maybe a couple of years at best. How did he speak with such confidence that they weren't going to wander off under more long-suffering and it wasn't really a genuine faith? Paul says it's clear that you were chosen because the gospel wasn't just words to you, it wasn't just in one ear and out the other. It wasn't about the super duper PowerPoint that Paul took to Thessalonica and put on display. It wasn't about the special words that he used and the the emotional music perhaps behind the preacher. It was that the message of the gospel came with power. It was received with power because it came with the Holy Spirit. And it came with deep conviction. The most powerful message on the planet is the message of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to die in our place for our sins. And it was accompanied, as I hope this morning it is, this morning in this place, accompanied by the Holy Spirit. A true response to the gospel message will always be started with a conviction of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. And he says, it's clear that you are chosen by God because your life of faith and love and hope is evident and it's on show for all to see. Chosen by God. Being chosen isn't a stepping stone to spiritual elitism. To know that you're chosen by God isn't about disregarding your responsibilities to the command to spread the gospel and make disciples. In fact, it gives us identity. To know that you're chosen by God gives you identity and along with identity it provides purpose for living. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
our identity is in Christ. We have been chosen before creation, before the sun and the moon and the stars were in place. God knew about Josh Davies born in 1980 AD that he would be chosen by God, chosen in Christ, to have his identity in Christ, that he belongs to Christ. That I am his and he is mine. He is my Saviour and my Lord. And the purpose comes about that I am his to be used for his glory and his purposes while my time is here on earth. With all that I am. To be chosen is not about boasting. It's not about elitism. It's about identity and it's about purpose. If we are to boast, let it only be in the Lord. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, uh, as he's affectionately known, Prince of Preachers, was giving a talk and, about this topic and, uh, and, and he said at that time, if only the Chosen had yellow stripes painted on their back, I'd be checking their backs to find out who they are so I can go up to them and just preach the Gospel to them. But that's not how God has planned it, is it? God's command is to make disciples of all nations, preach good news to everyone, to live transformed, changed lives, that people may see your good works and praise God. Secondly, he says they are copycats. I'm going with the C theme, so we're going with copycats. I'm sure there are other words like changed, and <coughs> but you'll see why with the next point. I went with copycat. Sorry, I have to flick back here. In verse 6, he says, You became imitators of us, and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. There's more than just a healthy respect from these Thessalonian Christians to Paul, Silas and Timothy. They actually see them and they want to be like them. They want to walk in their footsteps. They see what their attitudes are like and they want to be like that. They see what, how they love and how they forgive and they want to be like them. Their example of Christian living was I guess a benchmark for these new believers to be like. But I want to say this this morning that imitating someone should never cross the boundaries of holy living into sinful living that it's always 
got to be about your purpose in life which is to be Christ-like. Whether it's a person's prayer life that you look up to or a person's devotional life or perhaps their attitude of love and forgiveness that you inspire to be like, let it always, let it always be in light of being like Christ. The purpose to be like Christ. I am sure that some of these Thessalonians heard the stories of Paul and Silas and Timothy of the way that they had been treated in their ministry. How they had been imprisoned, uh, beaten, chased out of Thessalonica, chased out of Berea. And as they came to severe suffering, they must have thought of them. I thought, you know how Paul and Silas and Timothy have handled it? You know, I want to be like them. I don't want to wither and you know, not claim to be a Christian otherwise I'm going to cop a beating. Let's cop a beating. Let's stand up to it. They became imitators. Not just of Paul, Silas and Timothy, but of the Lord. So from copycat, they became copied cats. Now, I don't usually use made up words, but for the sake of this point I have today, because I actually looked it up and it's not a word, I don't think, copied cats, but anyway, forgive me. Uh, Verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. The copycats became copied. Well, they were looking towards Paul, Timothy and Silas as an example. There were those looking to them as an example of faith, love and hope. Perhaps without realising it, their Christian life was being, was an example, was, a, was, a, was being followed by certain others. Not just in that area but also was becoming known everywhere. Their faith, love and hope was known everywhere. People were talking about the Thessalonian Christians. People were talking about their changed lives, the revival that was going on in Thessalonica. the way that they were impacting in the community and abroad. They were a role model to other churches. Their faith, love and hope were seen as what is to be followed. This is great if you could be like them. 
What impact are we having here at Monty? Just within this group of believers here at Monty on each other. Are we actively seeking godly role models in our desire to be Christ-like? People that we can imitate. Are you mindful that there are those, perhaps without you knowing, looking at you, saying, I'd love to be like them? Our impact in the community. What impact are we having on the community? Are we just coming in and out, not being noticed, not being seen? Well, I know the answer is no, but I'm just putting it out there to be challenged and to think about. I know we're having an impact. Playgroup, kids club, church, people are here. But to be mindful of the fact people in this community, how are they impacted by us as a community of believers in the midst of them. And is our faith and our love and our hope, is it spoken about by other believers? Are there Christians around saying, have you heard about what's going on at Monty? Have you heard about those people at Monty, the impact that they're having, the change that they're making? Hmm. These guys are a role model, a model church. A model church not just of this time, a model church in 2015. And fourthly, they were confident. In verse 8, halfway through verse 8. Therefore, he he says, Therefore we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. They were confident people. They were confident in what was to come. They were confident that God will be faithful to his promises. They were confident that Jesus is going to come again and take them home for eternity. And people in the community and abroad were talking about the hope that they had in waiting for Jesus to come again. This morning we can be confident. We can be confident to know that God's word is the truth. We can be confident to know that Jesus is coming again. 
confident to know that we will spend eternity in his presence just worshipping him. Forever and ever, there is no end to it. And so I hope these are true of you today. That you are chosen copycat, a copied cat and confident. Lord and God, as we go from this place this morning, I pray we go with the confidence in the knowledge that you are coming again maybe this week. Maybe this week our time on earth will finish and we will spend eternity with you. May that be a driving force behind our lifestyle this week to be labouring in love and be enduring in hope and don't stand down when it's time to declare the good news but keep in mind of what's to come and that we need to preach the gospel and make disciples wherever we are, with whoever we are around. So I pray a blessing upon us as we go from this place and we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.